Vincent van Gogh. Killed himself? How does a man go from calm to suicidal in six weeks? Vincent left this letter. Theo van Gogh. That's Vincent's brother, isn't it? I don't see the point in delivering a dead man's letter. So, if you had died and there was a letter out there that you had sent to me, I'd want it. Hello and welcome to History and Film. I'm Rich Simmons. Okay, let's start by addressing pronunciation. We grew up in the U.S., at least I did, hearing and saying Vincent Van Gogh. Recently, and in today's film, they say Van Gogh. So I went to the internet to learn neither of these are right. And it may be something more like Van Gogh, with each H gravelly and full of mucus that English speakers can't really manage. So I'm going to ignore the film's pronunciation and go with what my listeners are more likely to be familiar with, Van Gogh. Though, often as not, I'll probably just say Vincent to distinguish him from his brother, Theo. Today's film is quite unique. To honor their subject, the entire movie is painted. So, not computer animated, not drawn like a traditional animated movie, but oil paintings like those Van Gogh is famous for. They did film live actors against a green screen and put in oil paintings as the backdrops, but then they went through frame by frame to paint over the footage of the live actors. Tedious work. Though, for their troubles, the film earned an Oscar nomination for Best Animated Film of 2017, losing to Coco. I enjoyed it quite a bit. The whole thing is set in 1891, the year after Vincent's death. Our main character is Armand Roulon, whose father is a postmaster and wants Armand to deliver a letter he found from Vincent to his brother, Theo. Now, even the use of the Roulon family is a nod to Vincent's work. The whole family was painted by Vincent on numerous occasions. The father, Joseph, the postmaster, and Vincent became pretty good friends. So while the journey we see Armand go on in the film is likely invented, he himself is not invented and gives the filmmakers a launching point in Vincent's work. And the whole film works Vincent's art into the story. They'll start with a still image of Vincent's and then paint that into a moving scene. It's really cool. The whole thing is kind of similar to Citizen Kane with Armand going to Paris and some of the surrounding villages, most notably Auvers-sur-Oise, where Vincent lived the final two months of his life. And while there, he interviews all the people who met Vincent. First, Armand's trying to track down Theo, and then second, he's talking to them just to get a picture of who Vincent was and how he died. Everyone did see Vincent in a different light. Some say he was crazy. Others that he was just interesting. That he was a good guy who was just ill and people mocked him instead of helping him. Another lady says he was evil. We get a series of flashbacks throughout the film. And the first is the incident with the ear. Most of us, even if we only know one thing about Van Gogh, it's that he cut his ear off. In the film's first flashback, it shows Vincent hand a small cloth to a woman at a bar or brothel and walk away. She opens it up to reveal a severed ear. The exact story of how this all went down is not known, but it stems from Vincent's tense friendship with a contemporary artist, Paul Gauguin. Vincent's brother Theo was a prominent art dealer who not only launched his brother's career, but helped Gauguin as well. He connected the two artists who bonded over each other's art, but... Time passes and relationships between people are always complicated. Money issues became a point of contention. And in late December of 
1888, Vincent supposedly pulled a razor on Gauguin as if he were going to cut him with it. Later that night, Vincent cut off either part or all of his own ear and did deliver it to a woman in a brothel that both Vincent and Gauguin frequented. Again, it was all a mental health issue. Vincent appeared to have no memory of the incident, and the police ordered him to seek treatment. Gauguin left town, and though the two men continued to write, never saw each other again. Vincent spent time in a couple asylums where it seems he voluntarily committed himself. He was actually in an asylum when he painted his famous Starry Night in 1889. Anyway, back to the film. Armand is actually kind of upset. His dad is making him personally deliver this letter from Vincent to Theo. He tried to post it, but it was returned as undeliverable. An art supply dealer who knew both Van Goghs tells Armand that Theo is dead as well. He died six months after his brother. The dealer then tells Armand what he knows of the family. We flash back to Vincent as an eight-year-old boy who could never live up to his parents' expectations. He was given the same name as a stillborn older brother, and his parents seemed to prefer the idea of the elder deceased Vincent. Vincent always just seemed to struggle to find a place in the world. It's mentioned that he was even fired from missionary work. The movie here claims that he picked up a brush for the first time at 28 years old at Theo's suggestion. So this is a bit of an exaggeration, but not entirely. It's, it's misleading. Vincent had been interested in art all his life. Three of his uncles were art dealers. His mother encouraged him to draw when he was young. Vincent trained to be an art dealer himself. But he just seems to have been an odd guy, an idealist who didn't get along with a lot of people. After a couple of years making a decent living as an art dealer, he was fired seemingly because he didn't like treating art as a commodity. He went home and lived unhappily with his parents again at the age of 23 and got really religious for a while. His father was a minister in the Dutch Reformed Church. This is what led to the missionary work he was fired from. Again, he was just weirdly idealistic. He'd intentionally live in poor conditions, thinking it made him closer to the poor congregation he was working with. But the church just thought he was unpleasant and undignified. Vincent just struggled with formal settings in general, like regular jobs and school. He failed out of both religious and art schools. He always butted heads with authority. Even just reading his Wikipedia page, you feel bad for how awkward this guy was. He became obsessed briefly with an older widowed cousin he wanted to marry. Keep in mind, there was nothing wrong with the cousin side of this at the time, but she turned him down, and it got to the point that her parents wrote that Vincent's persistence is disgusting. But he had started painting by this time, with his early focus being on local peasants. He later lived with a prostitute and her children, neither of whom appear to have been Vincent's. The film today leaves out most of his romantic past, save for one woman we'll meet later, though that relationship may be fictionalized. A year after the prostitute, he almost married another woman. Later, he may have impregnated a peasant girl who was modeling for him. And the dude just didn't take care of himself. He seems to have subsisted on bread, coffee, and tobacco. His health suffered. But he used all the money he got from Theo to buy art supplies. Yes, Theo had to support Vincent financially, almost completely. That's perhaps the saddest part of this whole tale. While Vincent Van Gogh is a household name today... He didn't live to enjoy any of his fame. Though he did have some art shows, he was essentially a failure during his lifetime. Anyway, in the film, with Theo dead too, Armand decides he should give the letter to Dr. Gachet, who seems to have been Vincent's closest friend in Auvergne. 
though he meets several other people in the village before he's finally able to meet with the doctor. He stays at the inn where Vincent died and talks to the innkeeper's daughter. She doesn't trust Dr. Gachet and is still mad he made no attempt to remove the bullet from Vincent. I guess I haven't said yet that Vincent died from a self-inflicted gunshot wound, though some characters in the film throw out the idea that perhaps Vincent was covering for someone else who had actually shot him. The innkeeper's daughter says Vincent was happy there, and she saw him as a nice, quiet man who worked long hours every day, as though going out and painting was like going to the office for him. Armand learns that Vincent may have been romantically involved with Dr. Gachet's daughter. At first, she denies it and says they were acquaintances at best. Later, she admits they were close, but again, this just appears to be fabricated drama for the film. Several characters are confused as to how Vincent went so quickly from seemingly happy with life to suicidal. Finally, Armand gets his meeting with Dr. Gachet, and though several characters have hardened us against the doctor, his version of events does seem to get to the truth of the matter. He says Vincent knew the financial strain he was putting on his brother, Theo, and it filled him with guilt and depression. As to accounts that claimed no one would ever shoot themselves at the odd angle Vincent was shot at, Dr. Gachet said, sure, most people wouldn't. Vincent wasn't most people. He's just the kind of person who would shoot himself in a bizarre manner. But yes, on July 27, 1890, Vincent appears to have shot himself in the chest. No one else was around. Vincent was actually able to walk back to the inn where he died a couple days later. It appears to have missed his vital organs and lodged against his spine, but... Without a proper surgeon to remove it, there was nothing they could do for him. Gachet was a doctor, but not a surgeon. And again, this wasn't the famous artist Vincent van Gogh, spared no expenses to rush the surgeon out from Paris. This was a struggling man, in poor health already, with no money. He was a nobody. Armand gives Gachet the letter who says he will pass it on to Theo's widow. She later sends a copy of it to Armand as a thank you. It closes with van Gogh writing, Your loving Vincent hence the title of the film. The closing text tells us Vincent van Gogh created 800 paintings in eight years, and only one sold while he was alive. Since his death, he has been declared the father of modern art. So much is about context. I went to the Van Gogh Museum in Amsterdam, and now I feel really bad about it being underwhelming at the time. In a world where we're inundated with content, we hold far too little precious. I'm not saying we all need to become art snobs, but maybe we should all slow down a bit and appreciate what goes into everything. This film is set near Paris, but Van Gogh himself was Dutch, so since we have not yet really visited the Netherlands in our timeline, let's go ahead and give it a few words. The Dutch have basically been right next door to most of our European action this whole time. They were on the border of the Roman Empire and in the centuries following spent time under control of each Spain, France, England, and the Holy Roman Empire. The 1600s were the Dutch Golden Age, when they got into the action of global trade and colonization, reaching Japan, and setting up in South Africa, as we discussed in conjunction with Zulu. The Dutch declined in the 1700s due to costly conflicts with the French and British. It seems to have long been a place that has prided itself on promoting art and science, it's a place that always throws people off as to how to refer to it. We have the Netherlands and Holland, and we refer to them as the Dutch. So, so what's what here? First, the Dutch are the people and the language. It appears they were a Germanic tribe that settled along the northwest coast of continental Europe. The Netherlands means lowlands or low country and refers to the fact that it is flat and lies barely above sea level. 
and is the name of the country today. Holland, then, is just a region of the Netherlands. The most populous of the Netherlands' 12 provinces are North Holland and South Holland, with Amsterdam lying in the north. Okay, elsewhere in the world around this time, the Eiffel Tower was completed in 1889, the year before Vincent died. The electric chair first saw use as a method of execution in 1890. And in 1894, a French officer was wrongly convicted of treason, and the so-called Dreyfus Affair divided the country of France into two distinct camps. A famous French author served as one of Dreyfus's biggest advocates. We'll explore his life and the Dreyfus Affair next week with the 1937 Oscar winner for Best Picture, The Life of Emile Zola. One last thing real quick, I did start a second podcast back in February. It's called Track Nerds, so the same as my website. It'll be recorded conversations with various guests discussing travel, movies, and track and field, or at least exercise of some kind. This includes the rundown of my favorite movies of 2018, so please go check it out. You should be able to find it on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, or you can just stream it directly from my website. Okay, thanks, and catch you later. Later.